Thank you, worship team. Praise God. This morning is our Vision Sunday. We are going to share with you our prophetic bulletin, what God has spoken to us for the year of 2019. We want you to take this in. I'm going to speak this over you. It's for you. But I'm also speaking into the heavenlies to release this to us as a people. There's dimensions here this morning that if you're just spectating and looking at me, you're looking at the wrong thing. Uh, there are dimensions that if you're, you're, you're just taking in this room, you're missing the greater picture of what God's doing in our midst. There are things happening in the heavenlies and things being released from heaven to earth, out of your soul, out of into the spirit, man. There, there, this room is slowly being flooded as rivers of living water are being released and heaven is pouring out. Scripture talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's the indwelling and then there's the outpouring. Theologically, you should be getting drenched right now. And so if you want to enter in, and I'm excited to invite you into this Holy Spirit ministry that's happening. Amen? So this morning I want to release over this congregation the prophetic words that God has for us this morning. Our prophetic bulletin, you received it in the mail if, uh, with the uh, messenger that we sent out, and there are seven words that we're going to be pouring into throughout the year, and I'm just going to go through them and deliver the message of this prophetic concept uh, to you. So open your spirit, open your heart to receive. And so the first one we're going to look at is a word that's repeated three times. New, new, new. You see, harvest is a new season. How many of you have been waiting for a new season in life? Amen? Thank God for seasons. Praise God. The old ones pass and the new ones come. It's, this is becoming, this is going to be an intense season of change upon God's people. Many are being moved out of their comfort zones so that the Lord may place them in their destiny and in their calls. The Lord has warned, I am changing the way you pray, the way you walk, the way you talk, and the way you think. And God knows that we all need it. You know what? Could you imagine moving to a foreign land and not learning the language? Being there for how many years? Ten years or so and you're not learning the language? You don't know what's being spoken around you and what's dynamically happening. And so many of us need to learn a new language. The language of heaven. The language of the dimensions of the Spirit. The language of the Word of God. We've studied the Word of God, but there's a dimension to talking about kingdom. Talking about kingdom. Understanding how kingdom works in your life and mine. I've put up with too many strangers and aliens inside my being. What am I talking about? I'm not talking about you pastors filled with demons. I'm talking about concepts, ideologies, thoughts, and strongholds I've tolerated too long. And I need a new language because I've adapted to their language instead of having them adapt to the kingdom language. And if I'd start speaking kingdom to them, they'd be gone in Jesus' name. 
So it's new. You need to learn a new dimension to the Holy Spirit. If you are bored with church, if you are bored with your Bible reading, if you're bored with praying, you have missed the door of opportunity for a new dimension in the Spirit of God. And many of us are. We're bored to tears in the church. It's the same routine, right? Three songs and a guy talks. Man, if that's it, what a boring thing. You can go to concerts. They're much more exciting. If you're in the flesh, if you're in the physical, they got light shows. They got bombs. They've got music that'll get your feet moving and dancing. They got stuff going crazy, man, because the world knows how to excite the flesh. But what the church has forgotten is how to excite the spirit. So we're all bored in our flesh. But God wants a people excited in the Spirit. A new walk, a new talk, a new language, a new day. That's what I'm looking for in 2019. I hope you're going to come with me. It's going to be exciting because I have absolutely no idea what it's going to be like. I love that. It's going to crazy mess us up. Amen. We must be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Be prepared to go as we are led. We must hold on loosely to the things of this world so that they don't Anchor us to the world and restrict our spirits from doing what the Lord has called us to do. The season of change will cause great stress on the world and the body of Christ. One particular word says, new, new, new. Do nothing how you have been doing it in the past. Stay out of the archives. Move forward. New dimensions. So that's what we're looking for. I hope you're excited about that. With that there's going to be a communing with God. No longer just putting time in with prayer, time in with devotion, time in with church, but a real deep communion. Spectator Christianity is over. This generation's no longer being relegated to the sidelines while a select few attempt to model their faith walk. The heart cry of the church is, is for genuine community among God's people and a deep loving relationship with the lover of our soul, Jesus. The Lord didn't die so that his bride would commune with him for 90 minutes a week on a Sunday or a Wednesday. We can't build a relationship with him based on a 45-minute teaching that someone else has prepared. Believers will desire to connect on a much deeper level. The Lord desires that we commune with Him on a continual basis. Every believer should examine their own heart, purge out anything that hinders us from loving Him with our whole hearts. We should seek to live in a place of intimacy with Him that can never be compromised or simply be guilty of worshiping Him from afar. The Lord's heart yearns that we would desire Him deeply, deeply. So there's got to become a deep, rich connection with Jesus. Many of us find it when we go through trauma and when we go through difficult situations. We draw near to him because we're just so abandoned to him because our situation just ruined everything. And so we cling to him, we cry to him. But what if we did that daily? What if we did it in our joys and our sorrows? What if we did that even in our mundane time? We live very mundane lives. We go to work. We drive the same route. We do the same things. 
and then we get off on the same times. We're in this little time cage that we walk on, this treadmill, and then we drive the same route home, and then we get in the house and we do the same routine, and we cook our meal, and we watch our TV, and then we go to sleep. Man, that's killing me. I didn't even like saying that. There's such an adventure in every moment we live with Jesus Christ that breaks the routine that we're trying to be conformed to. The world wants us to be conformed to their image, but there's a whole other image we're being conformed to, and that's the image of Jesus. And Jesus was awesome. Jesus had a good time every day, healing, touching, speaking. He'd call things out. He would do the will of the Father. He was pleased when he laid his head down, but he didn't have a home. He didn't know where there was a pillow to lay his head, but it was all right because he was so satisfied because he spent that day pleasing his father. So he was satisfied. And he couldn't wait to get up early in the morning to commune with father and say, what will we do today? That's what God wants for us to commune with him. And there's now this year coming a season of faith because we need it. Faith is a dimension. Faith is a dimension of living that we're talking about. Communing with him, a newness. Faith has to be new. Faith has to be new because it is triggered by what you don't know, what you don't understand. You have got to lean on him in faith because basically we do so many things according to how we know how to do it because we are afraid of everything else. If there's any power in this room this morning and has been over the years that is outpowering the Holy Spirit, it's the fear we have. There's fear in this room. I've been praying about this and the Lord has been showing me. You know, we're worried about sin. There's sin in the camp. There's one sin greater than any other sin and it is a lack of faith. And the catalyst for a lack of faith is fear. Fear is overriding us, and as men's hearts will fail them in these days, it is getting crazy out there. Anybody realize that? Yeah. Does anybody know that it is crazy? Our children are, were born into crazy. You had a different time. You, you're coming into crazy. Our kids are born in crazy. Do you understand what I'm saying? They don't know anything different because they're going to be the warriors who are going to fight against it. We're all scared of it, Right? So we got to get past that. You got to get past what was and get into what is now. And that means you can't have fear. You and I cannot tolerate fear. And the one thing we can destroy fear with is faith. But you're never going to enter into faith if you're not communing with the one who you're trusting. You won't trust him if you're not spending time with him. Does this make sense to you? Makes a lot of sense to me. And so faith, this dimension is going to open up to us as a people. We're entering a season of moving into great faith, so we must rely and be confident in our faith grounded in him. So the first aspect of faith is going to be great faith. Jesus says, I'm calling you to be a people of great faith. I'm calling you to be a light to your territory and your visibility to increase. I need you to be committed to your calling. I'm calling you to become a people of great 
faith to start seeing miracle signs and wonders that are coming. You've got to see them coming. I'm reminded of Elijah that when he began to pray, he asked his servant, do you see anything yet? He had just slain 700 or 1,000, I can't remember, how many prophets of Baal, right? And then he, he, the people recommitted to Jesus, to Yahweh, so he gets down on his knees. It's time that the people have repented, therefore the drought can be removed off the land. The drought is a punishment for unbelief. So now he's praying for a shift in seasons. And as he's praying for the shift in seasons, he's praying, he's praying, he's praying. Ask his servant, you see anything yet? Nothing. He's praying, he's praying, he's praying. Finally, his servant says, Master, I see a cloud the size of a fist. You know how small a cloud that is? Up in the sky. My fist is not too big. Imagine a cloud this big. And Elijah gets up. There's a dot in the sky because the floods are coming. We've got to have faith by seeing a speck in the sky that there are thunderstorms coming. And if we don't have the vision for that, we will be taken by surprise and won't know what to do. But somebody's got to steward this move of God. Somebody's got to prepare for it. Somebody's got to be ready to receive when the flood comes how to handle that flood. We've seen FEMA handle that uh, in the past years with our nation, and they haven't done too well, have they? I don't want that to be a picture of the church. How about you? Great faith is going to be accompanied by healing faith. It's being released in preparation of those he's sending to us as a church. He's giving us a sickle, and the time is coming for us to use it to rescue people out of darkness, to bring them in, to love them as I have loved you, to show compassion for this, and this is the heart of the Father. Show people that I'm the healer and tell them what I've done so they will have faith to believe that I can do it for them. We have to equip us uh, ourselves with healing faith. And as we're ministering to people's woundedness, and as we're ministering to their brokenness, it's all going to be based in sin. So you've got to get used to this, folks. You've got to get used to dealing with people who are wrecked and broken in sin. And can you imagine going to a hospital and when you're bleeding out, when your arm is twisted in a way it should not be, and you're bleeding out and the doctor immediately, the emergency come to do triage on you and to find out what the problem is, the first question they say is this, what did you do to get this way? Well, what does that matter? I am in severe pain. Could you begin to remedy my problem? I'm not going to touch you. What did you do? You fell from a building that was really stupid. Are you sorry you fell from that building? You really, that was a stupid thing to do. It was so wrong. You need to say you're sorry for falling off that building. I'm sorry. We're all accusers. We're all wanting to know, oh, that's bad. You should have never done that. Do you understand what you did to get into this? Of course they do. They're feeling the pain of it right now. You quickly go to the problem. Physicians, doctors take an oath that, that uh, you know, there's a, 
there's a, a shootout between gang members and police, and, and they bring them in, and they don't assess who was the gang member and who was the policeman. They do the work of ministry healing. We need to be ready. There's going to be people coming in here that have distorted their bodies. They've, they've recut things. They've reshaped things. There's people here that are going to be in situations that are uh, horrible to the righteousness of God. But we minister Jesus. Jesus came for the sick. He came for the wounded. And we bring healing to them. Amen? Let Him do the work. Administer the healing balm of Jesus. He'll bring the healing to them. Harvest faith is the third, find a third kind of faith. Rise up in your calling. I've called you to be a light to your area. Again, he's speaking this. The harvest is coming. Love people from my heart, and I will do great things among you. He said, love people from my heart. Put his heart in us. Our heart and his heart must become one. And again, we can't do that without communing with him. And then this is a new dimension to us. Live from my word and show them the evidence of your faith. Have faith to do impossible. Move in my power. I'm ready to pour out new things among you. I'm shifting things and shifting momentum. It's increasing. When we exercise our faith, we must not waver our doubt. When we pray, we must expect our prayers to be answered. Not only should we expect the answer, but an answer that goes above and beyond what we could ask or even imagine. Many will be in awe of what God is doing and how awesome He is. And we need to prepare for that kind of faith. It's new, it's new, it's new. It doesn't look like the faith of 1980 doesn't look like the faith of the turn of the century. It doesn't look like the faith of the great revivals of the 1800s. This is, this is a new look. This is a new move. This is a new dimension because the times have changed. The cultures have shifted. And God has got a fresh answer to this generation. In the book of Acts, it says that David faithfully ministered to his generation, to his people. David did what David needed to do in his generation. He was a warrior king that had to unite all the tribes back together and bring the kingdom of Israel into its golden age. But then, once that was achieved, you see, you don't need a David anymore. You need a Solomon. But Solomon didn't handle the new position the way he should have. Rehoboam, Jeroboam, they should have moved into the new dimension, but they kept the same old taxes and it split the kingdom. You see what I'm saying? If we don't move into the new, maintaining the old will cause division and cause it to bust apart. you got to be flexible in faith to move in new dimensions. I hope I'm speaking to somebody's situation today. Fourthly, identity. The Lord is emphasizing that we must know and trust our identity as sons and daughters of the King. It must go far beyond knowledge to a truth that resonates deep within our spirit man. In the days ahead, we must be secure in the fact that we've been brought with a price by His blood. Our identity will be challenged. We must respond with the authority He's given us. In these days, you will have trials. So when you go to trial, be prepared. Know your position in Him. Know your rights and responsibility. Choose wise counsel and then rest in the assurance that our God is a righteous judge. Represent. Represent the kingdom of God. 
You don't represent anything else but the kingdom of God. That's what we represent. I was watching some interviews of Christian leaders uh, this past week, and many times when they're being interviewed, the first question they ask, is homosexuality a sin? Is abortion a sin? Is this a sin? Is that a sin? Is that a sin? You know, and so what they're trying to do is create a divide immediately. But at the same time, these leaders are trying to cleverly kind of squeeze past it so you won't put me in a category. Put me in a category. Put me in the category of the kingdom of God, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thus saith the Lord. Put me in that category. Because this thing gets so gray, if you put me in and among you, then you don't have to understand anything about God or the power of sin. I'll explain to you what the Word of God says. But if you're going you're gonna to say, oh, you're one of them, you got it right, I'm one of them. I hope you clearly understand I am one of them. Amen. Clearly, so that you understand when you need Him, you know who represents. Amen. Does this make sense to you? At work, there's no stealth, secret agent Christianity. I'm working undercover. Then nobody knows. Don't put your light under a bushel. You shine. Now that's a great responsibility for you to shine right. Don't show up late. Don't leave early. Don't steal from the boss. Amen? Amen. Okay. You're with me so far. I haven't lost you yet. Maturity. This is what we're talking about. I'm telling you that when we come in, the depths of level of ministry that the Spirit's going to do, that you're going to be amazed as as we gather together, we're going to walk out of here saying, did you see what Jesus just did to everybody in that room? You're going to be shaken. You're going to be moved. You're going to be just just rattled to the fact that God is doing something in your life. I don't want anybody to ever leave this room without having an impact of the Holy Spirit to where you look at Jesus in a whole new dimension. And that's called maturity. It's time to grow up. Put your big boy pants on. That's what, Paul, that's what Paul was saying. When I was a child, I played with childish things. But I put them away. We love playing childish games. We still keep playing with the same little games. Jesus is saying, put your big boy pants on. Come on, somebody step up here. Let's go. I want to pour out greater dimensions, but your arms are so weak you can't handle what I have to give to you. It's time to go work out. It's time to become mature. So we're going to see what equips the body of Christ to grow into the full stature of who He is, the five-fold ministry of Ephesians 4.11. The Lord Himself has given the church this important strategic plan to advance His kingdom here on earth. Ephesians states that He has given gifts to men and that as the Lord has gifted these individuals, uh, some to be prophets, some to be apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, as the Lord has gifted us, they will become gifts to the church. And the purpose of the fivefold is threefold. Build the church in unity, build the church up in the knowledge of God, and become mature and attain the full stature, the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Now there's many times we look at this fivefold, we say that there's some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. What does that leave the rest of you? Huh? What are you? Uh, we're just sheep. We're just, we just come. You guys are the ones who do all the stuff. That's not how that scripture should read. 
So out of this group, some should be prophets, some should be apostles, some should be evangelists, some should be pastors, some should be teachers, and it's mixed among us. We are the fivefold collectively, all of us. It doesn't leave someone out that you are walking in the DNA of Jesus, either apostolically, prophetically, evangelistically, shepherding, or as a teacher. That DNA of Jesus is in you, and it's being activated. And when you go to work, you work as an apostle of the kingdom of God. When you go to take out the trash, you take the trash out like an evangelist for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that fivefold isn't for the select 10 out of the 200. It is for the 200, some to be each of all of us, that entire DNA of Jesus. That's what is going to mature us as a body of Christ. So you don't pay the guy up front to do your work. Somebody say amen. That was a good statement, right? Okay. Amen. When each believer begins to fully operate in their God-given gift, the church will reach a level of maturity that can only be God-given in nature. When the church achieves their full stature, the knowledge of the Son of God will be indisputable. The unity among the churches will cause even the most hardened skeptics to take notice. When the church decides to execute God's plan, we will see an acceleration like never before. That's going to just take an outpouring of Jesus. One meeting can change the dynamic of a church forever. How about today? Could it be next week? It's coming. Could it be that we see a fist the size of a hand, but with faith we know it's coming? The words, the rumblings, the prophetic, something's taking place. And so when it takes place, the unity is going to be out of this world. And so what that's going to take, number six, is care. There are many wounded, depressed, lonely, hurting people in this body. They are praying and begging. Jesus says, they are praying and begging me to help them. And Jesus said, I've already answered them. You, their brothers and sisters, are the answers. I'm calling out the strong ones to bind up the weak ones, the joyful ones to lift up the depressed ones. I want you to form connections and spread your love within this body. Be true siblings. Spur each other on in your most holy faith. Build each other up. I want my body whole and strong. If your foot is hurt, wouldn't you care for it? How will you reach out to the world and minister to them when you don't do it with your own family? This congregation is the only family some of the members have, and they are looking to be loved like I want them to be loved. Be the answer to their prayers as I have called you. That's a prophetic word from Jesus. That's, that's, a, that's a strong word. And there are people here during worship that have been crying, that have been seeking and asking God for a change. And the remedy's right here. The remedy's right here. We've got to communicate. We've got to stop being so isolated. I've used this term before as sarcasm, and, and I don't want it to be true. This is not Christ's commute to church. This is Christ's community church. We commute, we go home. We come in, we go home. 
And, and I know day, times are different where, where we're not living near each other and so forth, but for the time we're here, can you take some time to pray with someone? Can you take some time, you've noticed them, you've seen them for two years now? Say hello. Let God put a burden on your heart for someone. Amen? Yesterday I was sitting, and uh, uh, as I was sitting in my living room, um, uh, I, I was just uh, asking Jesus, you know, what's going on? And uh, uh, I, names started coming to me that I hadn't thought about in a long time. So I started calling. How you doing? Started calling. And it's amazing to me, the divine appointments. When a name comes on your heart and you call, and they're like, oh man, I can't believe you called. This is so good. So if we would spend some time sitting still, get off your phone, stop watching YouTubes, stop wondering how many Instagram likes you got, and just sit down and say, what's going on, Jesus? What's going on in my church? He will begin to put into your heart and your mind people. Oh, man, but I don't want to call people. I don't want to talk to people. I don't know what to say to these people. they got problems. I can't even handle my own life. You know what? That's not the point. All they need to know is you got, they got a call from somebody. The minute they get a call from somebody, they know Jesus heard their prayer. Amen. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do is confirm Jesus is, is listening to them. You can just go, I don't know what to say, um, Jesus help them. And they'll go, hey, that's fine, man, thanks for calling. It doesn't even matter what you say. But all I know is Jesus heard my prayer. Come on, care. Last of all, joy. With all of this craziness going on, with all of this maturing, with all of this dynamic, with all of this faith, with all of this warfare that's taking place, all of this going on, it's all going to be through a spirit of joy because it's going to be an exciting ride. Amen? Now, when you're on a roller coaster, you're either into it or you're out of it. <laughs> right? You can't go on a roller coaster and go, oh, oh, oh. It will not allow you just by some of the turns. You go, pow. And even the most stoic end up going, oh! You get into it. This thing's a ride that's accelerating, accelerating. What if the last 10 years have been click, 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 right? Huh? How many of you have been there? It's like, this is too many clicks, man. This is boring. This is stupid. Click, 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 click. But what if 2019 is there ain't no more clicks? And all of a sudden you feel it. You look. You see it, but you can't see bottom because it's below you and that way. And you're hanging there, and you know something's coming. And you thought you were so cool to handle it, but cool's out the window now. You white-knuckle it. And whoo! And by the third hill, you're like not white-knuckling it. You're going like, ah! Joy is going to fill this camp. We're going to do this out of joy because we're going to see things that we've never seen before, heard things never heard before. Look at Tom. Do you believe Tom? Have you ever seen that guy do that? 
because he's just electrified by the Holy Ghost. We're going to see these things taking place and participate in them. The Lord is in the process of restoring joy back to his children. The body of Christ has been weighed down by all the concerns and cares of this age. The Lord is beckoning his children back to their first love, a fully satisfied relationship with him. The Webster Dictionary defines joy as the emotion evoked by well-being, by success or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. A state of happiness, a source or cause of delight. Our joy will be restored when we release that our true strength and well-being comes from a personal encounter which will cause a divine connection that radiates from us for all to see. The Word states that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We are only as strong as the joy that we possess. Do you get that? If the joy of the Lord is our strength, we are therefore only as strong as the joy we possess. And so it's time to have a Holy Ghost joy. A Holy Spirit joy. It's a joy birthed from God's Spirit, not because of my situation or my circumstances. It's a joy that is deep spiritually. I had this discussion. I can't remember with who. But anyways, uh, about the difference between happiness and joy. And uh, uh, they were saying they read a book that, that joy and happiness really are the same thing. And I said, no, nah, I still I can't buy that. I can't buy that. Because happiness is, is an emotional response. Joy is a fruit of God's own nature. Right? Love, joy, peace, gentleness. This doesn't come from me, and it doesn't come from my circumstance. It comes from heaven. It comes from the nature of God. See, the fruit of the Spirit is, is the byproduct or the nature of the Holy Spirit. It's His not identity. It's who He is. So joy is coming from God's nature. This is beyond. See, an unbeliever can have happiness. I don't believe a, an unbeliever can have spiritual joy. They can have joy and happiness, yeah, 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 but not the dimension of joy that you and I can have. This thing emanates out of us. This thing just flows out of us. So as we see in the New Testament, as we see uh, believers who are being struck down or beaten or whatever, they're still singing praise. They're still walking unto Jesus, and they're still uh, satisfied in God. There's a joy unspeakable, full of what? Glory, glory. You getting this? This is heaven. It's the dimensions of heaven. And this is what I'm talking about in these seven aspects that I've shared with you. It's a new language, a new dimension. It's a, it's a communing with God. It is a faith dimension. It is identity and maturity and caring so that joy, the dimension of heaven, has invaded us. So we can't talk like we used to talk because we've got a language from heaven that has come into us. Are you with me this morning? This is the dimension of what's taking place in our midst. This is the dimension of heaven. And heaven is coming into us. It already abides in you, but there's an outpouring and an infilling. All right? Now, I'm going to conclude with this. That's how God saturated planet Earth with water. And the flood, the deluge, covered this entire planet. And that's a picture of what he said, now go out 
and make disciples of all nations. He wants a deluge. You know, in, in the time of Noah, he said in the last days it'll be as in the times of Noah, didn't he? All right. Well, we always look at that as the enemy. How about you look at that as, as with God? Because the way that God flooded the earth is there was a downpour from the heavens, but there was an outpouring from the earth of the springs of water that came forth. Am I right? Do the research. So you have an interior flooding, pouring out of wells of water coming out of us and an outward pouring down of the rains of heaven. And that's what's going to happen here. And all around for the people of God, he's going to flood this earth in these last days with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you receive that, say amen this morning and stand with me. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was my introduction. I've recognized I can't go into my text. I'll do that next week. Thank you, Jesus.